0: Welcome to episode 275 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a web developer and educational technology entrepreneur. She creates online courses and coaches people who are teaching themselves how to code. She taught herself to program in 2015 using Treehouse, making a career change to an industry that she loves. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Nicole Archambault.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Phil, and thank you for the lovely introduction. It's really nice to be here.
0: That was quite a brief introduction, though. So maybe could you give us a bit of a a background into your own experience and and why you're doing what you are doing right now?
1: Absolutely. So um, again, my name is Nicole Archambault. Um, I do work in the educational technology sector of tech, and um, I kind of Came into that area, which is part of my story. Um, I came into that area kind of indirectly uh, through a bunch of life experiences that led me to follow my passions, which is another thing that I know you've had uh, guests speak about here. Yes. It's, um, it can definitely be a mixed concept, but it led me to the industry and the career of my dreams. And what I'm doing currently is I actually am – in the process of shi- kind of shifting things around a bit in my model, but I do have a little brand called Levian Code where I create content, both free and paid, for people who are looking to teach themselves web development skills and change careers into the industry, which is actually something that I myself had done back in 2015. So a little bit of a combination of creating those online courses and also coaching. I really love coaching folks, and I have also taken on community building. Um, I do conference speaking as well. And um, yeah, I'm a little bit all over the place, but I love being involved (laughs) in this community. Me, and me Because everybody has just been so great, and I see so much potential for it too, and I think yes. that there's a lot of room for all of us to do important work if we want to. I but
0: think that's you're right. In a nutshell, good. Okay, I mean, it sounds like you're trying to do a lot of things at the same time.
1: <laughs> always, always, and uh, trust me, that's something that comes up in therapy a lot. <laughs> because Mom's <laughs> like, "I'm so tired." Well, have you tried cutting some things off your plate? No, I don't want to. <laughs> So it's, yeah, it is a lot, but you know what, again, when it comes down to working in an industry that you really love with people who you really have a lot of adoration and love for, um, you know, I do stretch myself then, but I still have a lot of love to put into everything that I do.
0: Right. Okay, good. Um, so Nicole, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Absolutely.
1: So I have gone to the more entrepreneurial side of tech, as you know, I want to make clear from the beginning, this is a path that I very much created for myself. When I decided to go the educational technology route, I was already off the beaten path on the entrepreneurship journey entrepreneurship journey. And we know a lot of folks just go straight for their tech jobs, you know, the nine to five or whatever they're doing uh, within a company. For me, um, the best advice that I have for somebody who is looking for something very different, which is what I had done, is that if you walk into a room and, you know, a metaphorical room and nobody else is there, don't be afraid. Don't think that you're in the wrong room. Don't be afraid to just set up camp make a ruckus in there, and then see who shows up to check out all the fuss. That has absolutely been the best way that I have been able to draw an entire community to myself, which in turn, community really leads to a strong business and a strong brand. So that is some of the best advice that I've been able to give people and that they've remarked has been very important to them in their careers.
0: Right. So could you maybe sort of bring that to life a little bit and and tell us exactly what you did?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I, oh boy, this goes back, I guess, to do the kind of too long, didn't read or didn't listen version. Um, My career was founded in educational technology and why I went into entrepreneurship when I was going through school and I had the worst struggles ever. Like I still deal with educational trauma at 35 years old. And I've spoken very openly about this on other podcasts and in my own content because it happens to a lot of people. And it turned out, um, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 32 years old, but it actually turned out that there were reasons for this. Um, I was diagnosed both on the autism spectrum with aut- Asperger's syndrome and also with a nonverbal learning disability. So I had really been pushing through my life, you know, the hardest that I could. When I chose entrepreneurship, it was, Literally almost an accessibility decision for me because I didn't feel confident. And historically, it had shown me that I am going to struggle through every aspect of traditional education, of the traditional workforce. And I mean, at some points, it literally felt like I couldn't do things the same way that the mainstream was wanting to do them. So I just had to get very creative. And I think that when a lot of people do walk into this metaphorical room, they look around and they immediately assume that they must be lost. They assume that everybody else is somewhere else, and they're interested in where they are and wouldn't be interested in being in that room. I mean, they're not because they're not there, right? And that's actually a pretty incorrect assumption, as I have learned. And it took a lot of bold, um, often rash decision-making on my end to look at the room and say, you know what? Screw it. This feels really good to me being here. Maybe the room has a good vibe. I'm really feeling connected with it. Maybe I don't want to go anywhere else. I didn't like <laughs> the other rooms that I saw. And one way or another, setting up camp is a process. That's where the community building came in. And um, But that approach to my career has absolutely built what I have now, which is a community of self-taught coders that are looking to make a very meaningful and important and impactful decision for their lives And from there to improve themselves. And, you know, if they fall in love with the industry along the way, like I did, to improve the industry too. Um, And we need these people. You know, I recognized that you ask yourself constantly, well, why isn't everybody doing this well? Because not everybody can. And the people who can really need to get used to being able to set up those camps. And, you know, you turn into a bit of a, a thought leader in the process, which again, I never intended to be nor an educator nor an entrepreneur, but (laughs) here I am. (laughs) If you had told me five years ago, I would be either. I would have laughed at you, but here we are. So that's kind of more of a concept context for the uh, career tip about stay in that room, you know, and set up camp, make a ruckus, talk about what you're doing, talk about how great the room is. People will come to check it out because they'll like you too.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think if you have that belief as well, it'll it'll attract yes. people. Yes, yep. yes. Okay. Nicole, can you tell us about your worst IT career moments and what you learned from that experience?
1: Oh boy. So my first experience, you know, negative experience really with the industry, which again, I try not to focus on the negatives so much. I very much focus on, I'm an endless optimist, you <laughs> know, and I try to focus on the ways in which we can improve things. But in the very beginning, back in 2015, while I was in the process of using, as you mentioned in the opening, I used an app called Treehouse. So it was com. And they were wonderful. I literally wandered into their office back in 2015 because they were back in Portland, Oregon, when I was living there. And it was just like, can you guys help me? <laughs> I want to learn how to build websites. And they were so sweet. Um, I actually have a photo up on their wall of success stories now. But while I was going through this process... Um, While I do things very differently and they look like I'm doing them in a different way, often I get different results just because of the way that my brain works in, you know, a Norway typical standpoint. I hadn't really completely thought about the fact that the industry, like I'd heard some of it, but the industry did not quite take well. I mean, this is five years difference. So you figure back in 2015, Computer science majors and computer science programs, the traditional education route for computer science, was still largely considered by employers to be the way to get the job in tech. Um, it still had the most you know, pull and clout in whatever, being able to show that degree, especially from a top school, was more likely to get you in with a job there. And I had attended uh, the Grace Hopper Celebration of Women in Computing back in 2015 as well. I was able to get off the wait list and um, got to the conference. And I had my resume in hand. You know, it had most of my old career stuff in there. But, you know, I was, again, hopelessly optimistic going in here. And I wandered into the career fair. Um, And Grace Hopper Celebration of Women in Computing, by the way, is a giant, massive. I think it's over 25,000 people at this point, probably too big, in my opinion. But it (laughs) is just as it is a celebration of women in computing. There's a huge part of it, though, that is just a massive career fair. And um, that was probably one of my worst experiences in the industry was very much at the beginning of it, because that was a big reason. That moment that I walked into the career fair and talked to, I think it was... IBM that I had gone to was one of the first tables, and I had to stand around and wait for all the little computer science majors out there, you know, at the different schools um, to talk to them. But I finally got up there with my resume, and I was like, you know, I'm looking for my first. Tech job here. And this woman's kind of, we're chatting, but she's asking me about technologies that I haven't used before. And I'm, you know, trying my best to be positive about it. And then she looks at my resume and she kind of like glanced over at somebody off to the side that was working with another person with this expression of, I need help here. I don't know what to do with this. And I was like, I started to look at this just off the expression and immediately the panic set in. And I was just like, what am I doing here? They don't even know what to do with me. Like I don't have that degree, and the reason why I had didn't have the degree yet was because, and why I went the non traditional route was because of my academic problems. I had actually dropped out of a computer science major that I attempted at Wellesley College back in two thousand three. So. That was a huge moment of stress for me all in one. And I'll never forget that moment because I just had this pit in my stomach and I left the resume with them. And I think while she was turned around, I just ran out of the room and I went behind this (laughs) kind of drop cloth and I saw my eyes out and I was like, and I pulled myself back together and I was like, this doesn't feel like the place for me, but that doesn't mean that I'm not meant to be here in tech. This specifically is not the right room for me. I'm going to go make my own room. And here I am now um, helping to disrupt the industry and really help employers to understand that you know, self-taught coders are a massive, massive asset. And it shows so much strength and tenacity and determination. I have so much love for the people that I teach and work with. But that was terrifying for me because it was a moment that I really thought to myself, oh God, I'm not understood or appreciated. And those are my Two biggest fears, I think, are to be misunderstood, especially being on the spectrum. That's a big deal. But that, um, I'll never forget that moment, but it was also a very pivotal and defining moment for my entire career approach. So it was really critical for me to have that moment of fear and self doubt and just feeling like I wasn't in the right place. And, you know, before I had learned to make the right place.
0: Okay, so maybe let's let's move away to something a little bit more positive. Can you tell us about your career highlights so far?
1: Oh, yes. So what I ended up doing with my career actually was um, creating online courses, as I mentioned. And I think I found that through… Um, Pat Flynn, I believe it was Pat Flynn with the Smart Passive Income. Oh yes, he's very popular. I've um seen him speak many times too, and he was also the first person that ever taught me about passive income, the entire concept of passive income. And I'm kind of a low spoons type person. I need a lot of self care, and I get exhausted very easily. And I um. It sounded very appealing to me, obviously. So I put a lot of work in, um, to kind of follow the models that he was laying out there for creating, you know, a podcast and then a course. I had things I wanted to teach, um, things that I had learned about my, you know, through my web development learning experience that I wanted to teach other people. And so one of my highlights was actually the creation and the launching of my first, it was an online course plus a coaching cohort component. And it is called 30 Days to Web Development. I've since changed it to Career Changers School, which is kind of being embedded in my new um, special membership that's geared just toward Career Changers. But launching that course, and it's funny too, I mostly flopped the launch. <laughs> it was I didn't have a marketing team. I don't understand people. I sold a couple, which is a giant success in my mind now that I look back at it. Just I'm a perfectionist. But the course launch was terrifying um i think i only had a handful of people show up didn't consider until after the fact when i had people actually at teachable funny enough i had gone to podcast movement conference and teachable was there and they said to me um you had two sales out of like 15 people that showed up number one 15 people is great and then two sales out of that like you got to look at this with you know a little bit better you know from a different angle and so i've just gotten more and more happier and excited about that memory because it really does mean that you know i was so proud and i'm still proud of that course and the courses that i made since then so that was that was what did it all once i and when i get started getting feedback saying how much the course helped people that really nailed it home too
0: right so obviously you, you started with a couple of sales how has that progressed since
1: Oh, it's picked up, but also I made one giant mistake, which is something I mentioned, is that I waited too long to get help. I put everything on my own plate and it got in the way of me doing the parts of my business that I really love, which are working with students, creating content. And I got caught up in all the things that I wasn't particularly good at. Um, But to answer your question, it's going great. I mean, by my standards, because I've started to loosen up my standards. Any student that I'm actually helping is I mean, that's a win for me as far as financially. Well, starting a business is always (laughs) rough to begin with. I had someone ask me, oh, you haven't maxed out your credit cards yet? And I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm going to try not to do business that way, but okay. So yeah, it takes years. I've been working at this for about three years now, and it does take years to get kind of that passive income model back up, but I still work very much hands-on with my students.
0: Good. Okay. Okay. And so, Nicole, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT in particular?
1: Oh, my goodness. So, educational technology right now is actually booming. It is an amazing industry to work in because we're getting all of this feedback suddenly, like a torrent of feedback um, since COVID to, you know, from different educational institutions, from teachers, and the feedback is really fueling wave of change, because we're seeing what it is that works and what doesn't work for different institutions, different levels, you know, age groups, different types of content that's being taught. And that feedback, we've never had that much before. You know, people were just kind of using it as an auxiliary, you know, a supplemental thing. Now, as soon as we need to turn you know, toward the digital age to actually teach and we couldn't be in the classrooms anymore, education got flipped on its head. And we're getting a lot now back saying this works, this doesn't work, or we're going to use it. And it's not going anywhere. You know, educational technology is here and it's to everybody's benefit to learn about the ways in which ed tech approaches can actually help their industry to share that knowledge quickly and efficiently. So it's beyond just educational technology. I like to imagine that ed tech is now seeping kind of into everybody's lives. And there's more of an awareness for the need to be able to share what you know and to look at the most efficient means. By which to do so and to reach the greatest number of teachers, so or students and their learning styles. So that's the sexy part right now for me about educational technology. I am so excited to be here.
0: Do you think the sort of the recent pandemic has made a difference in terms of how that particular sector or area has evolved?
1: Absolutely. It definitely has. And even since just since the beginning of twenty twenty, as things started to ramp up and the conversations were, you know, frantic for people in educational technology, like, uh oh, we thought this worked. What are we gonna do now? Um, yeah, COVID has changed everything. It has it has changed the educational world forever. We're not going back to a lot of things that we could have gone back to before. If we see that they are, there's greater potential to be able to scale them because scaling was another concern. You know, you can't scale an in-person classroom. And now that people are seeing that, you know, it's, yeah, there's a lot of questions now and a lot of concerns and a lot of. Just people are interested in what EdTech has to offer. And they're also mad at it because maybe they don't like it compared to the classroom. But you know what? If you want to be safe, then we need to be doing the work together. Education, the (laughs) edit, my word is awful today. Um, The educators themselves and the technologists, we need to be working together very closely.
0: Yes. Good. Okay. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Building
1: and designing websites. (laughs) And that's kind of going back to the whole, I think it was Gigapets and LiveJournal and MySpace. That was my generation that really became very curious about things like CSS because of those
0: platforms. Yep. What is the best career advice you've ever received?
1: Um... To follow my passions, which again, I'm going to contrast that with something else because the world does tell you that you shouldn't do it, like I mentioned before, but it was to follow my passions because here I am
0: and I'm happy. What is the worst career advice you've ever received?
1: (laughs) Don't follow your passions. seriously though i people i I need to do another episode on this at some point but it's true i there's a duality to it of course it's nuanced but for me if i had never followed my passions i wouldn't be where i am right now i'd probably be miserable i wouldn't get to flex my creativity yeah that's it
0: (laughs) okay we touched on the next one slightly earlier but if you were to begin your career again in today's world what would you do
1: I would do as far as building my career up, my business, exactly what I did, but without the ego that kept me from getting that help that I really needed to get it started strong. Um, and as far as my entire career, well, none of us expected COVID to happen. Um, I think I got into educational technology at right, the, just the right time, kind of at a good point. And now we can all kind of grow and explode together. But thats I wouldn't do much differently, honestly.
0: And what career objectives are you currently focusing on?
1: I am focused right now on creating content, building my business and my brand, kind of letting people know about Yank Code. I never try to hide behind my brand. I am very much my brand and people appreciate it. <laughs> right. um, and also coaching. Coaching is a huge part that I haven't gotten to do as much of this year and I really miss it.
0: What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far?
1: Empathy. Absolutely empathy. And that's even greater than communication, but communication is a close second. Being able to communicate empathy is the most powerful combination, I think. But if we don't have empathy, empathy, then this industry and the world is going to look very ugly. We need to be able to connect with each other that way.
0: Yes. Yeah, we do definitely. <laughs> and what do you do to keep your own career energized?
1: You know what? I live in a little bit of controlled chaos. I um, don't like things to be planned out too, too much. And I found that Uh some of my best decisions have been made that way because in the moment, you kind of have an idea of what's right for you. And if you just wing it and go with it, you'd be amazed at the results. That keeps my life, my career life energized because when I was planning too much, I felt like it was getting a little stagnant. And then you have to go back and change the plans anyway. So why not kind of you know, do some A-B testing in my head, figure out what's going to happen and then just... See what happens. (laughs) Spin the wheel a little bit. You know, it's important to do that. Keep your keep your career spicy and a little bit unpredictable.
0: What do you do in your spare time away from technology? Uh,
1: (laughs) I sit at home nowadays. Uh, I play a lot of video games, (laughs) but mostly I have um, a good, solid group of friends that I actually met through a social experiment that I created with a Zoom call online. Um, I was just trying to get people together during the lockdown. And we're actually still doing these hangouts every single Saturday. The group has grown. We have a Discord chat. So they become like my family. I hang out with them during the day. um, And that's honestly, I learn. Beyond that, the rest is learning and trying to keep myself abreast of what I need to know. And plus, I get really squirrely if I'm not constantly learning. So I bet a lot of people can identify with that.
0: Nicole, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience?
1: Yeah, um, I do think that there is a lot of emphasis put on the computer science degree. And I have had conversations with this about folks. Do not let the fact that you don't have a computer science degree keep you from what you want to do in this industry. It took me until I was 29 years old to circle back after that failed computer science degree attempt. And that's a whole story. But in short, you know, it it took me years to come back to it. But if you love something, you will come back to it you'll find yeah. your way back. So don't let that discourage you. You can as somebody who works in educational technology now. Our goal is to give you and we're making good progress on it is to give you all the tools that you need as any type of type of learner, textual, you know, auditory, visual, tactile, you know, uh, kinesthetic. We're looking to be able to provide that type of experience and employers are beginning to learn and see the benefits that self-taught coders are actually bringing to the table. That has been my role is to make y'all look good. So it's, <laughs> don't be afraid, be yourself, put yourself out there and don't worry about what you don't have. Just be yourself and the employers will come to you.
0: Yes, that's good advice. Yep. Yeah. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you?
1: Definitely. I am mostly on Twitter. Um, you can find me where tech lives, more or less. Uh, you can find me at under or I'm sorry, <laughs> you can find me at my Twitter handle is La Vie underscore on code. So that's L A V I E underscore E N C O D E. Um, you'll find my kind of strange little brand there. It is not a Vie on code brand, it is just me. And I um Am also, my website is up at Um, It is the same as my Twitter handle, but all kind of together without the underscore. Yeah. So we'll put some links in there, I'm sure, too. But yep, lavie underscore on code for Twitter and lavieoncode.net for my site.
0: Yes, great. Yes, all those links will be on the show notes page on the website. Excellent. Great. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank
1: you so much for having me. Really great discussion and I look forward to hearing the episode.
0: Hi, Phil here again. Well I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash E and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.